Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Get Real with Mama Moines. I am your host, Emily Moines, and today we have our second podcast recording to go over the book, Rising Up, Take Charge, Break the Cycle, and Rebuild a Kick-Ass Life. And today I have uh, with me Christina. It's Alexander, right, Christina? Christina Alexander? Yes. Nice to meet you, Christina. Uh, we were chatting a little bit before I, I hit the record button and I asked her if she was ready and if there's anything she didn't want to talk about. And she pulled out about 10 pages of notes. So I think she's <laughs> more than ready to talk about it. Um, what I was wanted to do with everyone was go through chapter by chapter to sort of see which chapter resonated the most with a lot of the readers um and feel free Christina to talk about you know the book as a whole but we were going to concentrate on chapter one which is wake up and look at your life as it really is not as how you would like it to be so we're going to get into that but before we do that Christina can you just tell me a little bit about who you are how you found me um and how did this whole thing come to be yeah definitely um, so I was born and raised in Victoria, BC, and I've lived here my whole life, love to travel, but love coming home. Um, and I stumbled across you on Instagram um, and I saw your post and I started to follow you. And then I saw your book and I thought, this is a powerhouse woman. I need to get to know her. I want to read her book and be a part of this and share my story um, and hear the other stories that women and perhaps men are willing to share about their lives and how you know, they've been in relationships and decided to finally, you know, wake up. Like we're going to speak about the first chapter and rebuild a kick-ass life. And it really resonated with me. So I purchased the book and one for one of my colleagues at work and we both read it and here we are. That's awesome. I love to hear that. Did you start following me though, because of my son or did you find me outside of him? No, I found you outside of him. Oh, good. Yay. (laughs) But I also follow him as well because I was like, there's a Canadian on The Bachelor. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. A lot of people found me through him. But no, I'm glad to hear it. That's great. And I actually really like to hear that because I I like to hear that for some reason. I don't even know how you did find me. It's through the algorithm, I guess. But I love when I hear that women um, find me through just, you know, they're just in a place where they really do want to start rebuilding a kick-ass life. And um, a lot of the women that do follow me, it's because they've been in tumultuous, toxic, abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided six years ago now, I wrote the book about five years ago, that I was going to be a voice for a lot of those women. And it's something I'm really, really passionate about. And um, I, so I've created now the platform and this podcast for women to share their stories because I think that we there are a lot more we're a lot more alike than we are different and so Absolutely. let's get right into it chapter one wake up go I go I know you've got notes yes or is yours I do um I I loved chapter one as soon as I got into chapter one I couldn't put the book down like many other ladies that have commented on your posts um there's that pattern and repetitiveness that we keep going back and it truly doesn't make sense. And you recognize and you speak to this, like you're unhappy, but you seek to make excuses in a with of yourself to explain the unhappiness, not only to yourself, but other people around you, you know, should you be vulnerable enough to share that? 
and you, you cover up your heartache and stuff, you know, and then you said, then you have this major breakthrough and you woke the fuck up. (laughs) So it comes back to that all too familiar scene where it's like reading a book again, you know, exactly what's going to happen. I could pick up your book and reread it again. You might get a few new little bits and pieces from a chapter, but you know, the ending yet we still go back to that place. And not one, not two, but sometimes three or four times. And it's just, how do we break the cycle, right? Um, And despite all that you had that you shared in the book, you know, cars, luxury homes, cottages, purses, jewelry, watches, anything you could imagine, um, you still weren't happy. And that totally resonates because it's like, when you look around, that's, there's that saying like money can't buy happiness, but it can temporarily but it's eventually guaranteed to wear off. Right. So I really, I really related with like, you know, your first chapter, like who would I become? And I was in a terrible relationship for a couple of years, you know, thinking I wasn't enough, um, started to live in fear. Like you constantly said, you're walking on eggshells. You feel like you're not good enough. Um, you're never available when he needs you to be available. Um, you know, I stopped seeing friends, which allowed him to control me, lost weight, was stressed, was under pressure. There was nightly phone calls. We lived in two different places, but I felt like those nightly phone calls weren't to see actually how I was doing. It was to actually just check in on me and make sure like I was where I said I was at home in my bed. Right. And, and then the trend started like, Oh, take pictures, take pictures of what you're doing during your day. And I was like, you don't care to see pictures of me. You actually want to see where I am. And so you think that I'm doing what I'm saying that I'm doing. Um, you know, and it just went on from there, dinners with friends and text messages during dinner. And I'd be like, I'm really sorry. I have to answer this message. And you start to really feel alone because they're not there for you, but they make you feel like they are, you know, like, oh, here's a nice meal. Here's a new pair of shoes. You know, here's a card. Here's you know, a surprise gift in the mail and stuff. So when you really make the decision to leave the relationship, you realize everything was just material. It's replaceable, but what you can't replace is yourself. No, absolutely. And you know what? The, 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 one of the biggest reasons why I titled the book, um, the book is entitled Rising Up, but then the, the, the sub caption or title is Break the Cycle, uh, and rebuild a kick-ass life. And the reason why um, rebuild a kick-ass life was such a, a theme for me was because in my particular situation, if you were an outsider looking into that relationship or to that marriage, mm-hmm. you would think that, holy shit, she is living a kick-ass life, yeah, right? It looks good. Yeah, yeah. it looks good. Like you said, you know, luxury cars, you know, money was not, not an issue, multiple vacation properties, Rolexes, just a lot of material stuff, beautiful homes. And, um, and a lot of people would think, okay, that's a kick-ass life. We'd go off to, you know, Florida, we go, you know, I, I went to Portugal every summer. And what I realized since then is that my kick-ass life now is so different mm-hmm. than what that was. I mean, vastly different. I've, I'm just, it's such, it's so simplistic and living a kick-ass life. And I've said this many times before to me now is really not walking on eggshells, yes. living life on my own terms, 
freedom. Yes. Right? <laughs> the simple yeah. things, the, like the really simple little things in life is what makes my life now my kick-ass life. I do what I want, when I want. They're yeah. like walking on eggshells was, I just felt like I never really had a voice. I could never yes. really use my voice. And if I did, I was always afraid of the repercussions that would come with it. Yeah, me too. And I was never correct. I was always wrong or my voice was taken and the words were turned and cycled differently to make it sound like whatever I was saying, you know, manipulation basically was not the right thing to say or not how he wanted me to say it or, and then it would just end up in a fight. And it was just like, you're waiting for, you know, for the next fight and stuff, you know, and I loved you in your book where you talked about, you know, you had left and, and after you wanted to connect with something bigger than yourself, right. To find that meaning and that purpose in your life yeah. and how you wanted to live it. And, and that's what you have. And that's what a lot of us have, but it takes getting out of that, um, you know, and you have this new blank canvas, like leaving a relationship is scary. Like there's no doubt about it for anyone that's listening, you know, you can do it, right. You just need to be able to see the other side and, and you will come out better. I think that's where a lot of people struggle because they're like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to have this job. I'm not going to have this financial security, but you're going to have your happiness. And then you end up with like a blank canvas and now you become the creator of it. And now you're not being created. Everything you oh, choose I love that. is for yourself. Yeah. I love, I love what you just said. Now you're not the creator. Now you, oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. now you are the creator. You're not being created. I actually absolutely. That. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You don't have to fit into their, the little box that, you know, maybe they, yeah. they want you to fit into. Right. Yeah. Show up like this. Just like this, say this, don't say this, you know, so make this long, appearance. How long were you in your, in the relationship for? For two years, but Did it felt like, Did you live together? no, we didn't live together. No, thank goodness. <laughs> oh yeah. That's really great because it's easier. I mean, it really is easier to, to sort of, you know, cut the, cut the string when it, when you're not living together. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, except for like, he had some stuff that that was at my house. So then trying to get him to be like, no, come and pick up your stuff, come and pick up your stuff. And, and one of the things that I loved is, you know, when you had your separation, you were like, you don't live here anymore. Come and get your stuff. And he leaves his bed behind and you're like, no, oh, you read that part <laughs> across me and out to the garage, because it's like, you don't live here anymore. You're not okay. a part of my story anymore. And that's what I felt too. I'm like, come pick up your things from the garage. Come pick up your things from the garage. They're going to go out on the sidewalk. Just come pick up your stuff. But it allows them to hold that. They still have that one Girl. little. Yeah, that's it's left. Control. Right? Yeah. So, Absolutely. yes. So I don't think I've ever actually talked about this. I, I don't think I have like on any of my podcasts. Maybe I, I can't remember, but. For those of you listening that perhaps maybe have not read the book, but you are, you do listen to the podcast. There was a moment in my, while we were going through a, a separation. So initially, so what happened was I needed to go to court to get temporary exclusive possession of the matrimonial home because he would not leave. And I was in a position where I had, I had left three or four times before. And I was in a position where I had a lawyer and the lawyer said to me, do not leave. You do not have to leave. Doesn't matter who paid for the house. It doesn't matter who's 
name it's under, you have just as much right to be there as he does. But he wouldn't leave and it was really difficult living. We lived together for nine months before the, the judge granted me temporary exclusive possession of the home and he had to be out and they gave him 60 days. So he I showed up one day with a moving truck and took everything pretty much, I'm gonna say 80% of the contents of the home, took them, took just about everything, even my son. So my son was living with me at the time and uh, in the basement, I think he just come back from university and he even took his bed and his bedding. So, but he left, do you know what he left? He took everything and moved out. He left his, because at the time we had different, our own bedrooms. He left his bedroom in place. He left his bed and his yeah. dresser because in his mind, he had 60 days to leave. And in his mind, until those 60 days were up, he was going to come and go as he pleased and stay in that house and stay in that bedroom. He'd come and go two in the morning, three in the morning. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? You clean me out of everything, but you're going to leave your bed because you're still going to come and go. It's the control. Absolutely. And so I took, I don't know where I got my super strength power, like strength that day. Like it really was like, I, I don't know where that came from. But I was so incensed that he would go as far as taking my son's linens off his bed and pack them up and take them, but leave his bed that I took that goddamn bed apart and dragged that king size bed down. I don't know how many flights of stairs out the front door, up the driveway, and I set it up in the garage. I was not like not a proud moment because you should never react. Um, yes. With someone that is, you know when there's a lot of uh, hostility and it was a very hostile environment, I don't recommend you do that, but I did. And I'm telling you, that was it. He never came back to that house again. He came and saw his bed in the garage. Yeah. And then that was it. But yeah, sometimes you have to, like there's a breaking point, right? Like I mm -hmm. say all the time, if you can fuck with me, but don't fuck with my kids, man. Don't fuck with my kids. Yes. And how dare you come in and take my son's bed, bed and bedding. So that was my breaking, that was my breaking point. Um, one of my funny, one of the funnies in my book was when I did drag that bed. Yeah. Set it up I loved it because I could just see you doing it. Like you're yeah. not going to come here when you feel like it, sleep here when you want to, be in and out of my home and my new life I'm creating. Yeah. Now things are on my terms. Yes. And it was, um, so, you know, there's a chapter that is, um, uh, what is the chat? Uh, lawyer up, lawyer up. Cause everything, all my chapters yes. have the word up in it because I wanted it to With be your a bulldog. <laughs> Pardon? Yes. She's a bulldog. With your bulldog yeah. lawyer. <laughs> well, you know, and I have to say, no one's actually, no one has stepped up to the plate to want to discuss that chapter lawyer up. And that's fine. I can do the podcast on my own for that, unless you want to come back on, Christina. But yes, um, it was my lawyer that was instrumental when I lawyered up. That's when I finally felt empowered. Finally. Yes. And I stood my ground. And I knew that I had every right to be in that house just as much as he did. Absolutely. Although he, tried, although he tried to make me feel like I didn't and he paid for mm -hmm. it, he wasn't leaving. 
um, it was when I lawyered up that I finally felt a sense of power and I finally regained my voice and started just standing up for myself. But that, yeah, you started to, yeah, you started to put, um, and I'd love to come back and talk about that chapter, but yeah, you started to build a team of key players. Um, and starting with like, you called your lawyer, the bulldog, like there was no offense or buts about it. Yeah. She was laying it on the table and this is what you were going to do. And these were your rights. And oftentimes we don't know our rights and we back down too. Right. Cause we're like almost sheepish in that sense where, oh gosh, like I, I don't want to have this fight. It's going to explode. It's just better to do this than actually, yeah, stand up for ourselves. Right. And, and like you spoke to Emily, like there's two sides to every story. Like we all play a part in the relationship, you know, but the biggest part and takeaway too, that I, one of the takeaways I got from your book is you can play a part, but the biggest part you can play is to take care of number one now, which is yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And I just loved how, um, you know, you wrote the goodbye letter to seek closure, but then you also wrote another one to say hello. And that's later on in the book to, to welcome your new life and the new road that laid ahead and truly recognizing, you know, that old saying when one door opens another one or when one door closes, another one opens, you know, but this is to a brighter and better future. Yeah. And, you know, writing that, those letters, um, I remember, I still remember specifically the night I wrote the goodbye letter. I mean, I was a mess. I really was. I was, I was just, I was a mess. I was on the floor crying and writing that letter. And then five years later, six years later, I read the letter on one of my podcasts, my, one of my earlier podcasts, I reread the letter for the first time in five years. Wow. I don't know if you've listened to that podcast, but I couldn't get through it. I was bawling. And why I was crying five years later, just reading that goodbye letter is because I was, there's no emotion left for the marriage and for him but what it was, was, um, the, I was crying for that girl that was yes. in that state that was so broken, that was so distraught, that felt so hopeless and helpless and powerless and defeated. I was writing that goodbye letter. Just I had so many dreams of what I wanted our life to be. And, yes. and recalling all of the promises that were made. And that's why it kept me there so long because I kept holding out for those promises. And mm-hmm. it's like a hoover, like there's, it's such, it was such a, um, and if you know anything about the cycle of, of, of abuses, um, once there's big fights, there's always that hoovering back in. So it's yes. a bomb idealize, devalue, discard, and then Hoover. And I was Hoovered a lot. And I would always, you know, go back and just sweep everything under the rug and hold out for the promise of the better tomorrow. And I remember writing that goodbye letter, knowing there is no better tomorrow. And everything I thought I could have, or we would have is gone. It's gone. Yeah. I'm never going to get it back. And then yes, in the morning I woke up and I wrote my Okay, fuck that noise. That's enough. Now, hello. And the hello letter is then what was sort of the preemptive to where my life was going to go and what I wanted it to be. 
And, uh, and it really did. I think everything I haven't got, I got to read that hello letter. Cause I feel like everything that I was writing in that hello letter has come to fruition six years ago. Yes. It's all come to yes. fruition. Yeah. And you put it out empowering. to the Yes. You put it out to the universe. Yes. And that's empowering. Like when I Absolutely. read back, like I remember, like I, you know, hello to my new puppy because I really wanted a dog. And he's like, no, we're not going to dog. Um, you know, hello to my new puppy. Hello to my tattoo, which hello, I have. Um, hello yes. And he didn't like tattoos. He thought they were um, trashy was the word he used. Um, so just hello to my new life on my terms and how I want to live it. And that's empowering doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I always felt like too, like when reading your book and, and it just even thumbing through it last night before our call this morning, um, you know, you learned to take the high road in, in times that weren't, you know, fun in times you were down in times that were nonetheless challenging. You always had that foresight to be like, I'm going to take the high road, right? I'm, I'm not going to trash your name. I'm not going to trash your business. I'm not going to trash who you are no. I'm gonna take the high road and years now like even when I look back I'm like you must look me up sometimes and be like my ex and be like you're probably jealous of where I am now because it's like you know yeah here I am I'm successful love my job you know work hard love what I do um you know still traveling and stuff and and I wonder you know does he look and think man like that's what I had and I fucked it up too bad <laughs> Yeah, I think for your, I think in your situation, that could very well be true. I think that now for mine, having done a lot of work and a lot of and therapy, and I believe that, I believe that my ex suffers from narcissism. I really do. I, I really, yes. really do. Um, so if that is true, then they, um, they generally don't have any um, empathy or that's right. remorse, remorse, really. So I don't know, yeah. um, nor do I really give a rat's ass at this point in time, um, you know, what he thinks or what he sees. Um, but you're right. I was always cognizant of taking the high road. So just to make make this really clear, the person I'm speaking about is not my children's father. So it's my second marriage because a lot of times um, people will think it's my children's dad and I feel bad for him when I talk about my divorce because they can only relate me to with my kids and their dad. So it's not him. Um, but you're right, Christina. I never used his name in the book. I referred to him as D for Dick, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <named Richard>. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the D was for in case you missed that. Uh, named him Richard. One day I want to write a book. That's going to be my name I use too. <laughs> Richard Dick for short. Um, and I'd never, never mentioned his company. Didn't ever um, for, you know, for anyone that didn't know us as a couple would not know how to find him or who he is or anything. And I did want to mm -hmm. take the high road because I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk the talk and not walk the walk. Cause I'm now an, right. an, an enlightened, awakened person. Mm -hmm. um having like you, you read in the book I was like a podcast junkie I was a therapy junkie I really needed to be in a new headspace and I needed to let that go and I, and there's a, a famous quote that is not like not forgiving someone is like um 
drinking the poison and expecting it to kill the to kill your opponent and so I needed to get rid of the poison and I um just felt that it's time to concentrate on me and creating the best version of myself and not putting an ounce of energy or an ounce of breath thinking speaking reacting Mm -hmm. to that person anymore and it stopped absolutely it stopped the day I saw my lawyer I was done and I, I went through nine months of hell and I never really, apart from taking the bed and throwing it in the garage. <laughs> and I think there was something else. I can't remember what it was. There was two things I wasn't fond, like proud of. It was that, I can't remember what the other thing was. Um, but that was it. I was living my life now. I didn't care. I didn't care. I needed to focus on me and put the positive energy because we are we are all responsible for the energy that we bring into our lives. Mm-hmm. We are responsible for that. So I went needed to own my part of why I was there because I tolerated and I set the tone for how I was yes. being treated. I did that. Yes. Chaos cannot exist without your participation. I participated right. in the chaos. I participated in those ugly fights. So hard pill to swallow. I owned it. And then I moved on from it and I did take the high road and I've been taking the high road ever since. I rarely do I utter his name. Absolutely. It's not worth the energy. No. And you're responsible yeah. for your, the energy that you put out there and that comes yes. back to you. So yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. So have that's great. I'm, I'm so glad you wrote the book. Um, there's so many women and men. And I think I said that when I first had messaged you after I read it, that can relate to the story, um, you know, and perhaps those who have read it that have already left relationships or, you know, those that are reading it now, you know, knowing like yourself, they're going to get out and they're going to rise up. And, and all it takes, you know, is to take that one step and that one, you know, extra little ounce of energy you have in yourself to know that you can make a difference moving forward. You will survive. You will rebuild your life. And it'll be like you said, kick ass. Yes. And you know what I think, yeah. you know, I, I think a really important thing um, to talk about is the fear. I think mm-hmm. that I don't think I know because I speak to a lot of women, the fear of leaving that relationship can be paralyzing. And listen, it is scary. It's I was I was think I was 49. I was approaching 50. And I hadn't worked for a long time. So I'm now 50. Okay. I knew it was going to be a fight to get any support, like a big, big fight. So how am I going to support myself? And you have to make a decision. If you're going to make a decision, it starts with making that decision. I can't live like this anymore. And what do you want more? What do you want more? Do you Mm -hmm. want a life where you're not walking in eggshells? Do you want a life where you're living it on your own terms? Do you want a life where you're feeling peace in your home? Or do you want the stuff? Do you want the lifestyle? Do you want the house? Do you want the car? Mm -hmm. Do you want to not have to work? What do you want more? And when you make that decision, then you've got to fucking follow through. Because if you want the stuff, then you got to, like, what are you going to do? You got to shut up and put up. Yes, exactly. Shut up and put up. And that's fine. If that's the road you want to take, then that's the road you're going to take. 
However, I can tell you that if you walk through the door of fear and you get through that, what's on the other side is so much more rewarding than the stuff. And it That's is right. fucking scary. It is scary, but nothing ever worth attaining has been easy. It was scary mm -hmm. for me. I've been out of the workforce for a long time and I was 50. Who's going to hire a 50 year old? And I thought, yes, what do I want more? Got to fucking figure it out. Mm -hmm. And it's that pull of wanting a better life and wanting to be happy and not, you know, being done with being arrested and thrown in a jail cell for domestic abuse. <laughs> what the yes. fuck did my life become? <laughs> Holy shit. I read that a few times. I was like, how did she end up here? Yeah, it's, I know. And it's, I mean, it's mind boggling to me. I, I know now how I ended up there and I know all about the manipulation and how that works and the gaslighting. These are words I'd never heard of before. I didn't know what gaslighting was. I'd never yes. heard that terminology. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that's why I was so adamant when I, when I was following that Gabby Petito case and I was watching their interaction with a police officer on the side of the road with her with her and her abuser who they labeled the victim and her the abuser and they were going to arrest her when i was watching that unfold i was so triggered because i'd been there where i was mm -hmm. labeled the abuser i'd been there and i was beyond watching that like holy fuck and then lo and behold Two weeks later, we find out that the victim that they labeled mm -hmm. him as a victim killed her. Yes. And I was like, yeah, I've been arrested a couple of times for being the abuser. And now I know how I ended up in that situation. And it's, this is a whole other podcast with, you know, the police force and uh, the lack of education that there is out there and the lack of awareness. Um, but definitely, uh, I was done with that life and being in a jail cell and the fights and the yelling and the screaming and the name calling that I did wake the fuck up. Like, what the fuck am I doing here? What am I doing? And then that was it. There was no turning back. No, there isn't. For me, my pivotal moment was walking over to his house and, and deciding like this was going to be done. I was finished. You're treating me like garbage. I'm not going to be anybody's trash anymore. You're not going to take me to the curbside and put me out. Walked to his house, walked down. He had about a flight of like 20 stairs. He was in a basement suite, knocked on the door, gave him his box of stuff. He had two young children. He was like, you're going to do this in front of the kids. I'm like, here's your box of stuff that you have. Like a few personal effects from my house started to walk back up to the stairs and he started to yell get the fuck back down here. Don't keep walking. And in my head, I was like, Christina, keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. Those probably 20 steps felt like an eternity. I got in my car, turned it on and I drove away. And I was like, you are not going to control me anymore. But what was your breaking point? Like, what was your break? Like mine was my daughter. If you read the book, mine, mine, yes. was my daughter, what was your breaking point? I think for me, just the you know, just the conglomeration of everything. It just started to add up, you know, the fights, the name calling. Um, and probably a couple of weeks before this happened, he actually was over at my place, called me a 
cunt, if I can use that language on your podcast. Uh, I don't know. Me. It'll be edited out. <laughs> Held me you up against the Tuesday. wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Held me up at the wall and spat in my face. <gasps> and I was like, enough is enough. I'm not going to do this anymore. He I don't spat care. in your face. Okay. He spat girl, in my face. Listening. Girls listening. To this day, my parents don't know. They will know now, but he lives on another island because they probably would have strangled the guy. Yeah. So here's but a question I have for you. Here's a question I have for you that is really important um, for especially the young girls that are listening before you before it got to that point. Where were there red flags that you ignored before the spitting in the face? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Um just the control stuff. I thought it was more like love, right? Like, Oh, I want to spend time with you. Oh, you're seeing your friend this weekend. Oh, you always see them. Can you, can you not come and spend time with me? So it was like, Oh, you know, saying to my best friend who like, she lived through this hell with me and, and we're still best friends and and bless her every day for sticking by my side. But those little things, you know, and now when you look back, they're total red flags. Or like I spoke to earlier on, like, taking the photos to be like, Oh, I'd love to see, you know, your beautiful face today. And it's like, really, you actually want to see where I am and what I'm doing. So, you know, I remember one night, yeah, I remember one night at at work and I had parked in a different area of the resort I work at. And it was like, Oh, I drove past and didn't like see your car. And I'm like, are you stalking me at work? Like, are you actually making sure like I'm actually at work when I say I'm going to work? Like, so, so many things, but you just, yeah, you're just so caught in the moment and you're caught in the excitement of this relationship and yeah. it's fun and it's new. And of course. Yeah. Oh, you froze. Oh, I can't. Oh, you're back. You're back. You froze there for a while. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so I, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about the red flags and how you should never, ever, ever ignore them because when someone shows you who they are, you should really just fucking believe them the first time because it yes. escalate. And so I think what this, what, what has happened to me since coming out of that, I I've very, very, very rarely date. And I went on um, a date about a year after my divorce. And this person, um, so I had, okay. So I had plans to go to a gun range with my girlfriend completely out of character for me to go and shoot a gun. It's something I would never, have, ever, ever do ever. You have your gun license? No, it was, um, it was just a, like a shooting range and you, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even know how we came to do that. Anyway, it was totally out of character, but something fun and something new. And this is going to be yeah. like the new me. And I wanted to, I thought it would be kind of cool, which by the way is addictive when you're shooting that gun. <laughs> anyway, my point is I started seeing this guy. I'd been on maybe four dates with him. And uh, he wanted to see me that day. And I told him that I had plans with a girlfriend. And I was, uh, he's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going um, to the gun range. He didn't believe that. He did not believe I was going to a gun range. And he's like, I find that hard to believe. I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm going to the gun range. And then then he wanted a picture of me um, at the gun range, which I'm like, okay, that's weird to me. Number one, that's weird that he wants proof buddy, I don't know you anything. I've been on four dates with you, but then what really the the other red flag. And I ended it immediately after that 
um, he wanted to go out for dinner or something. And I said, I wasn't feeling great. And I was just going to spend the evening at home. Okay. This really freaked me out. Okay. So I want to spend the evening at home. I've never given him my home phone number ever. He had my cell number back in the days when I had a landline, which I don't have anymore. At about 10 o'clock at night, my home, my landline rings and it's his number calling my landline. And I'm like, I know I've never given him my phone number for my home. And I pick up the phone and he's like, hey, trouble has gone. I just thought I'd check in with you tonight and say good night. And I was thinking, I said, oh, how did you get my number? Well, you gave it to me. And I'm like, I've never. No, I, I've never given you my home number. I've never given you my home number. So this dude clearly did not believe that I was at home that night because I didn't want to go out with him. I think he thought I was out, which I, I mean, it's four dates. It could have been, yeah. but I was home. You're allowed to be. <laughs> yeah. And he took the time to, I don't know how you, how, how did he even do that? Do you like 411 it? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think you can, like you can an address. I think you can also get a landline to find my landline, to check up on me, to see if I was lying and if I was really where I said I was supposed to be. And that ordinarily, the old Emily would have let that slide. Would have thought, Mm -hmm. oh, dude, he's checking up on me to say goodnight. The new Emily was like, "Uh uh-uh, no way, buddy. You're, You're literally checking up on me to make sure that I am where I'm supposed to be. And it ended that night. No, good. I don't know in my life. No, exactly. That's when you become smarter with by going through these, you know, experiences, take them and create something positive out of it. No Mm -hmm. one will ever control me again, ever. Absolutely. Ever. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So look out for those red flags and don't ignore them. And stand up for yourself and don't sweep it under Absolutely. the rug. And that's not love, by the way. Okay. If someone is trying to control you and does, and there's no trust four days into a yeah. meeting for no reason at all, bye bye. You don't need that. I don't need no. more than, I don't need you to show me more than once who you are. Exactly. <sighs> yeah. yeah. That's what I take away from it now, right? Is I feel like a lot of us that go through these experiences and these tumultuous toxic relationships, um, I find that you come out stronger, um, wiser, absolutely. And there's one thing I just want to close on. I've not been in a really serious relationship in about five or six years. And I just want to tell you that anyone that's listening, that alone does not mean being lonely. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you can be alone and embrace the solitude of being alone. Alone does not mean lonely. You can feel more alone being in a really toxic, tumultuous, abusive relationship. When you have somebody sleeping in the bed beside you every night, you can feel more alone there than being alone in my bed with my dog. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Did rather be anything? alone. I know. I'd, oh, please. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Did you have anything that you wanted to close off with, 
um, Christina, because I think I'd like to have you back for chapter eight. I'd love to do that, Emily. I'd love to do that. Yeah, I'll have to work on my notes again for chapter eight. But no, yeah, just closing off with thank you again. Like, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for putting it out there. You know, writing your book. I know you had said you had never planned on writing a book. I have a dream of writing a book one day. Um, I don't know what it looks like, right? But Richard might be a character, <laughs> you know? So just, yeah, thank you because women just need to be empowered. We need to feel like we can speak up. We can speak our truth um, and, and get the word out there. And, and you've touched not only my life, but all the other women that are going to be a part of your podcast, all the other women and or men that have ordered your books. So yeah, just keep the fire, keep igniting. It's wonderful. And I'm so glad we had this opportunity. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really, truly thank, thank you. you. I'm so happy that you came on and shared your story. And you know, it does um, it does speak to a lot of women that um, are on these are in these relationships and are afraid to to leave or afraid to get out. And um, and I really want women, especially young women, like it's the young girls. So my my Instagram name is Mama Moines, and I honestly feel like I am Mama to so many of these women. Mm -hmm. young women that I hear from often and that are are mistreated and are not in loving mutually respectful relationships and and just tolerate it and just take it and I want to want I want to tell them you're setting the tone for how you're being treated and it's okay it's okay to have boundaries and in fact yes. you should have boundaries you absolutely must have boundaries within relationships and mm -hmm. as soon as you as soon as you feel like this is not safe I don't like how you're making me feel I don't like how you're speaking to me I don't like how you're treating me it's okay to walk away you will be fine without that. yes I would rather live under a bridge mm -hmm. honestly and I said that to my kids when I was leaving all of those all of the all of the finances, all of the stuff behind. I'd rather live under a bridge and spend one more day feeling, in that feeling like this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So thank you so much. I'm thank so you happy again. you came on. Um, yeah, come back on um, for the last chapter, which I think is own up Perfect. and rise up. And um, and maybe what I'll do for that chapter is I'll have a few of the women that um, came on during the podcast that really, you know, resonated with me and we can all Wonderful. have a discussion. I would love that. Wonderful. Do it. it was so I am good meeting you, Christina. Thank you. You too. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. Thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Get Real with Mama Moines. Stay tuned. We will be back next week with another episode of Rise Up, Take Charge, Break the Cycle and Rebuild a Kick-Ass Life. Bye.